Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast is part of the MedEd Media Network at mededmedia.com. This is the MCAT Podcast, session number 39. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome back to the MCAT podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, along with my pal Brian from Next Step Test Prep. Brian, last week we ended the podcast talking about polarity with chemical structures. This week, which which is all physics, and this week we're going to talk physics. Yeah, absolutely. The, the this new MCAT is so cross disciplinary. You know, the we we haven't seen it for for a little while because we've been doing a lot of just um, science discrete questions, really to hammer home the the content knowledge that the MCAT requires. But when you start working those passages and even some of the discrete questions, they will expect you to cross disciplinary lines when trying to answer a, a lot of problems that you would see. Which makes sense because that's what you do in the real world. Yeah, absolutely. These artificial distinctions between, I mean, the worst would be organic and biochem, right? Where, where's the line? Well, uh, who knows? Yeah. It's, it's whatever the author said. Right, exactly. All right. So go ahead and dig into this first one here. Yeah, so I'm going to apologize in advance. We're going to look at a couple of calculation questions here. Um, I, I tried to pick ones where there's really only kind of one uh, equation to apply j- just for the, the audio format of the podcast. But as always, very, very helpful. Go, go, go download the show notes handout, and you can follow along with the, the actual uh, question right in front of you. Yeah, the MCATpodcast.com slash 39. There you go. Uh, okay, so uh, first question, a 12-volt battery is used to charge a 20 microfarad capacitor in a defibrillator. How much charge is stored on the plates of the capacitor? And we have 0.24 microcoulombs, 0.6, I'm sorry, milli, uh, 0.6 millicoulombs, 24 coulombs, 60 coulombs. So first, let's say you can't remember what the heck you're supposed to do here. (laughs) Like, oh, capacitance. Uh, you know, it's farads. There's something with coulombs and volts. I, I just don't remember this relationship. You could, at the very least, say the question said a 12 volt battery and a 20 microfarad capacitor. So, looking at the answer choices, chances are that 10 to the minus six, that micro, is going to give us an answer that ends up being um, milli millicoulombs instead of regular coulombs that alone would narrow you down to choices a and b and sometimes on the mcat you know we get this question all the time oh what if i can't do calculations quickly you know what i what if i really am just uncomfortable doing calculations with paper and pencil without a calculator 
I always say, you know, get as far as you can now. You know, there's, there's almost always one or two you can eliminate and then don't actually do the calculation. Just do your best, best process of elimination you can, make your best guess and move on. In this case, hopefully you remember your units. Um, very important, more, much more important to remember units than it is to remember equations for the MCAT. So here, the unit of farad we want to remember is a coulomb per volt. So farad F equals coulomb C divided by volt V. Uh, so then you can set up the equation by multiplying volts up to the other side to solve for coulombs. So a coulomb is a farad times a volt. So in this case, that's 12 times 20. Um, and again, for, forget where the exponent goes. You know, forget where the decimal goes. Just look at 12 times 20 and say, well, that's really 12 times 2. So my answer has to be 24 times 10 to the something, right? Don't, don't worry about the something. As soon as you know your answer is 24, um, you know the right answer is choice A, 0.24. Um, and it, it, in this case, 0.24 millicoulombs. And now, without going into the math behind it, you you said okay, you know that that microfarad is gonna it's gonna be a millicoulomb, but I don't trust myself. How 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 can you say that confidently and and let the listener know that it's true? So the the likelihood the MCAT the equations that you see on the MCAT definitely have coefficients in them where, where, you know, you have to do this relationship between the variables, but then multiply it by some other number. Um, I'm thinking of say like the gas law, the energy in a gas is three halves MRT. So there's that three halves out front or think of the kinetic energy equation in physics, one half MV squared. So there's that times one half out front. But if you have microfarads, micro is 10 to the minus six. It's unlikely that you're going to have an equation on the MCAT that is take the farads, multiply it by a million, and then work in the volt somehow, right? <laughs> so, and that's what you would have to do, right? To cancel out micro, you'd have to multiply it by a million in order to get answer choice C or D, 24 coulombs or 60 coulombs. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of kind of gut instinct, right? Like, oh, I've studied these equations. I don't remember all of them, but none of them have times a million at the beginning of the equation. Mm. Okay. All righty. Moving on to question 55. An artificial leg designed for use by runners is spring-based to mimic the compression required of a muscle during hard running. For safety reasons, it was determined that the leg should be able to absorb as much as 125 joules of kinetic energy without compressing more than 10 centimeters, or the runner would likely... Uh, would likely be would be likely to stumble. What should the spring constant be? Stumble over the words. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, so you think about a, a an artificial limb, uh, an artificial leg here that you know you're just pounding on the ground over and over and over again, and it only compresses uh, ten centimeters or, or 0.1 meters. So it's not compressing very much. Which means this, if you think of it like a spring, it's going to be really stiff. You know, this is a really strong spring. So it's more like the shocks in your car and less like a slinky, 
right? It's not moving very much. It's not like loosey goosey, like a slinky. Uh, and so conceptually, you know, before you start plugging and chugging with equations, always make sure you've got the concept right in your head. I want a really stiff spring. And so you want to walk into the MCAT knowing that a higher K, a higher spring constant means a stiffer spring. So when you look at these answer choices, 250, 2,500, 12,500, 25,000, again, if you're just kind of guessing on a conceptual level, probably C or D is a better guess. Like guess one of the bigger numbers because that would suggest that it was a stiffer spring. Okay. Okay. So now the actual equation that you need to know, they gave us energy. So you need to know the equation for the potential energy that goes into a spring. Uh, and that's energy equals one half kx squared. So one half times k, the spring constant, that's what we're solving for, times x squared. And x is how much the spring crunches up when we store the energy in it. So for springs, two equations to know overall, one of them for this problem. One is what we call Hooke's law, f equals kx, and one for the potential energy, one half kx squared. Uh, at that point, for energy, you would plug in 125, and for X, you would plug in 0.1, because you have to express it in meters, right? So either 0.1 or 10 to the minus 1, mm. uh, and then solve for the K. Uh, and remember, it was energy equals 1 half KX squared. So energy 125, the very first thing you're doing to that 125 is you're multiplying it by 2 to cancel out the 1 half on the other side of the equation, right? Multiplying both sides by 2. So that, that 125 becomes 250, and then you're dividing it by 10 to the minus 2. Right? Remember, 10 to the minus 1, but it got squared, so 10 to the minus 2 now. And 250 divided by 10 to the minus 2 means just smack on two more zeros, so 250 becomes 25,000. Uh, and just like we said, the big number ended up being the right answer. Answer choice D, 25,000. All right. So the take-home message is go big or go home on the MCAT. Mm-hmm. With Absolutely. Physics. Yeah. You know, it, we spend so much time in the verbal section in the cars part of the test telling students to avoid extreme answers. And then along comes the science, especially physics. And it's like, go for the big one. Go for the extreme. Biggest or smallest. <laughs> yep. Oh, man, you, you wonder why pre-meds are crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. It's all it's all a mass of contradictory. This is the rule, except when it's not, except except when it is. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah. Our our um, anatomy professor in medical school said, this is the way it happens. This is the way it always happens, except when it doesn't. Right, yeah. All right, uh, last one here. Okay, you want to you wanna read it for us? I'll let you. Okay, so uh, colliding cells meet on a frictionless surface near the vascular membranes. If cell one collides into a stationary cell two on an arterial wall, which of the following describes what happens to cell two after the collision? Cell two continuously accelerates. Cell two moves with decreasing velocity. Cell two moves with constant speed. Cell two moves with constant velocity. And for the purposes of this problem, let, let's just assume that things are uh, as simple as possible. You know, the cells are, are spheres. Um, after the collision, they don't, you know, kind of continue to wiggle around and deform. You know, when it comes to physics on the MCAT, assume things are as simple as possible unless they give you a specific reason to make it some sort of complicated real-world thing. And the question itself said that these cells are colliding in a frictionless way. So let's just keep it as simple as possible and imagine, you know, two billiard balls on a table. 
smacking into each other. So after one ball smacks into the second ball, what happens to that second ball? Well, a certain amount of energy has been given to it, so it's going to start moving. Mm -hmm. And if it's moving across a frictionless surface, right, Ryan, what do you think is going to happen to how it moves? It's going to keep moving. Yeah, forever, right? And I guess until it gets back to the heart uh, and and hits turbulent flow in the the atrium. Or collides into cell three. Sure, yeah, exactly. Um, Or or, or gets infected by plasmodium. (laughs) Right. So something biological happens to it. Um, Right. So it's going to move at a constant speed. And as long as it's going in that same direction, a constant speed and a constant velocity are the same thing as each other. So this was actually a a Roman numeral question where both Roman numeral three and four are correct. It will move at a constant speed and just point in one direction at a constant velocity. So Roman numeral one on here is cell two continuously accelerates, and so continuously is what makes that one wrong, because it obviously accelerates up to the point where it reaches its speed. Right. Well, the question specifically said, what happens to cell two after the collision? Mm -hmm. So it's only accelerating while in contact with cell one. While they're touching, cell one is pushing on cell two. Once the collision is over, cell two doesn't get any extra energy from anywhere. Now he's just sliding along this frictionless surface. Mm, That's a good thing to pick out. Okay. Absolutely. And that, Ryan, that brings up, and that's a good place to to kind of wrap up this physics discussion because it's the single most important lesson in all of MCAT, the single most important lesson in all of test prep, answer the question they actually asked you. All right, so there you have it. Some physics discrete questions for you to ponder over. Go check out the handouts over at themcatpodcast.com and search for session number 39, and we'll get you squared away. Don't forget to check out nextsteptestprep.com where you can go to get all of the materials you need to help you prepare for the MCAT. Next Step Test Prep has been known for their one-on-one tutoring but they have an amazing full set of MCAT books. They have 10 full-length MCAT exams for the new MCAT, the 2015 MCAT 10 full-length practice tests, and also their first foray into the course world with their MCAT class that you can take. It's self-paced class with over 100 hours of videos, five sessions of office hours every week, and so much support that you're not going to know what to do with yourself. Go check it out over at nextsteptestprep.com. Use the promo code MCATPOD, that's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D, to save some money on your test prep with Next Step Test Prep, nextsteptestprep.com. Have a great week. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review if you've liked this episode. And as always, go share this with a friend, a colleague, an advisor, a classmate, whoever you want to. Have a great week. We'll see you next week here at the MCAT Podcast.